Imagine yourself as a wayfarer looking to embark on a journey through an emotional inner landscape. As people with BPD, we often feel lost, and for many of us, we begin our journey after being in the depths of despair, where the path ahead of us is shrouded in mist, making us uncertain of our next steps. The air around you feels heavy with questions, and your world seems to stretch into an endless fog. Each direction holds an enigma, a puzzle waiting to be solved. You gaze into the fog, a reflection of the confusion that swirls within you. Emotions seem to play a distant tune, their melodies just out of reach. Like a canvas devoid of colors, your inner landscape appears muted, leaving you with a sense of emptiness. With each passing moment, the weight of uncertainty settles upon your shoulders. The journey that lies ahead feels daunting, like navigating through a labyrinth with no map. You yearn for clarity, for a compass to guide you through the dense fog of your own thoughts and feelings. Yet, despite the murkiness that surrounds you, a spark of determination flickers within. You know that somewhere within the mist, a path exists, one that can lead you toward understanding, connection, and a deeper sense of self. As you take a tentative step forward, you carry with you a hope that even in the face of confusion, you can discover the way to navigate your own emotional landscape. Are you ready? Quiet, not silent. Imagine emotions as points on a compass, representing different feelings like joy, sadness, anger, and fear. People who have a high level of emotional awareness can navigate this emotional landscape with ease, recognizing and identifying each emotional point on the compass. Their emotional compass is finely tuned, allowing them to accurately read their emotions and understand what they're feeling. On the other hand, People with BPD tend to have a less precise emotional compass. It's as if their compass is missing some of the markers or has a weak signal. They might struggle to differentiate between emotions or pinpoint the intensity of what they're feeling or describe their emotional experiences accurately. And this can make it really challenging for them to navigate the emotional landscape within themselves. When you're embarking on your own healing journey, Think of yourself as an explorer or an adventurer, setting off to navigate a vast landscape filled with both natural beauty and rough terrain. This landscape is your emotions. And if you don't have that compass, you can very easily become lost. 
When people become lost in the unknown, they can quickly become overwhelmed with fear. If you don't know what you're dealing with or what you're going to face, that shit is scary. Emotions are literally the same way. It's very common for people like us to become scared of our emotions, scared of even feeling them, because we don't really know what we're dealing with. Knowing is half the battle, though. So this episode is about calibrating our emotional compass. When you learn how to recognize your feelings and then put words to them, you become that much more in control of your journey. I'll start by giving you a word that describes the concept of lacking words. Alexithymia is a term used to describe a challenge in recognizing, understanding, and verbalizing your emotions. People who struggle with alexithymia might find it hard to distinguish between different emotions, or pinpoint the causes of their feelings, or describe their emotions accurately. When you don't have the words to be able to describe how you're feeling, communication to others about your needs goes out the window, and you're left having to subconsciously resort to unhelpful survival tools that don't help you in the long term. Quiet BPD is known specifically for being a subtype that involves suppressing your emotions, especially the uncomfortable ones. People like us have learned from our environments to minimize our needs and minimize the things that we use to communicate those needs, emotions. And after denying and suppressing and minimizing, we lose the ability to even recognize what we're feeling. We lose our words. We lose our compass and we dissociate into nothingness, or we people-please to our own detriment, or we self-destruct behind closed doors in order to cope. Why do people suppress their emotions, though? People who suppress their emotions as a coping mechanism, also known as emotional over-control, do so for various reasons, like shitty past experiences, or a fear of being vulnerable, or even social conditioning. Social conditioning, for example, would be like society and culture discouraging the open expression of certain emotions, portraying them as weaknesses. For example, like toxic masculinity discouraging men from feeling and expressing themselves openly. That would be an example of social conditioning. The fear of vulnerability. Expressing strong emotions can make a person feel really vulnerable, and it exposes their inner feelings to others. Some people fear judgment or rejection or being perceived as incapable if they show their emotions. Past experiences like being in environments where you're being criticized or ridiculed for showing emotions can definitely lead to a habit of suppressing your feelings to protect yourself from potential further invalidation or even harm. Could just even be a lack of skills. Like some people might not have developed effective emotion regulation skills. And that's okay, but it leads them to suppress their emotions as a way to avoid overwhelming feelings that they don't know how to manage. Emotions that are pushed down tend to resurface in unexpected ways, like mood swings or physical symptoms or like outbursts. Think of your emotions like a beach ball that you're pushing down into the water. You can only push it down into the water so far and hold it there for so long, but eventually you have to let go. And if you've pushed it down far enough, it'll shoot up out of the water and hit you right in the face. This is why suppressing emotions is not good. 
So why do we need to feel our emotions in order to heal? Feeling our emotions is crucial for healing because emotions are a natural part of being human. And when we acknowledge and allow ourselves to experience our emotions, we give ourselves the opportunity to process and understand what we're going through. It gives us a chance to figure out what is causing those feelings, helping us address root issues and get things we need. Getting more comfortable, though, with feeling your emotions and processing them in healthy ways takes time and practice. It's very hard to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, especially as someone who has a heightened emotional vulnerability to things. Journaling is really good because it can help you describe how you're feeling, what triggered the emotion, and any thoughts associated with it. And this can help you process and understand your feelings more objectively. I find that I don't write very quickly, so I do a voice note in my phone, and I listen to it later after I've dumped all those feelings out. Like, I can... This is how I actually solve a lot of my problems. I just kind of, like, talk to myself through voice notes. Sometimes I don't want to talk to myself, though, so what helps is seeking support and talking to friends or family members or even your therapist about your feelings. And I don't necessarily mean dumping, right, but sharing your feelings with others can provide validation and different perspectives that are really, really helpful. It just feels really validating when you go to a friend you trust and you go, am I the asshole? Like, let me tell you what happened and what I did and what the other person did. Like, what do you think? And them going like, no, you're not the asshole. You did nothing wrong. And they're playing you. And I'd be pretty pissed too if I were you. Or something like, Mm, I think that could have probably been handled differently. They likely had something going on and it didn't have anything to do with you, you know? It's, it's good to be able to think out loud with people you trust like that. You don't always have to deal with your emotions on your own. Like, if you have trouble checking the facts sometimes or practicing compassion for yourself, being able to think out loud with someone is... A game changer. So don't don't think that you have to do everything by yourself. Another important thing is creating a safe space. So finding a quiet and comfortable space where you can sit or lie down without distractions. And this can help you focus on your emotions without feeling overwhelmed. I'm going to elaborate on this in a little bit because this in itself is a process. Another like pro tip, I guess, um, hear me out. Practice gradual exposure. If certain emotions feel overwhelming, start by allowing yourself to feel them for short periods and then gradually increase the time. And this can help you build emotional resilience. This one sounds weird, okay? But there's something to it. When I was working with my psychologist on distress tolerance, I was dealing with a lot of painful emotions and I found that I needed to like time box the work I was doing. I did not have as strong of a grasp on distress tolerance skills, so it was really, really hard for me to literally tolerate the painful emotions. So I just took five minutes at a time revisiting the emotions, trying my best to notice what was happening and where they were coming from, and then doing some self-soothing afterward. And it was hard. It was really, really hard, especially when I was doing trauma work. My god, it was, it was really tough. I cried a lot. I had to. 
And at first I had the question, like, what if I never stop crying? I cannot start because what if I never stop? It's just so painful. And for most of my life, I was scared to cry because I always had this fear that I would never be able to stop crying. Even though I didn't understand why my emotions were so intense, I knew they were. And I was scared that they would become so overwhelming that they would never fade and I would always be in a state of fear or anger or like hopelessness. So I learned to swallow those things instead of allowing myself to cry. I was scared that if I slipped up and cried even a little bit, I would never be able to stop. I would be just inconsolable. The thing is, crying is good for you. Like everybody knows this. Crying is actually such a complex human behavior, if you think about it. Like, I could honestly do an entire episode just telling you information all about crying. Uh, but I won't. Unless you want me to. We all know that crying is good for you. Do you know why it is, though? And how that works? When you are in pain or feeling stress, your body produces cortisol, right? Which is the stress hormone. Too much cortisol after a long time can cause problems for you down the line. However, our bodies have ways of combating that and producing hormones and endorphins that can help us out. Emotional tears flush cortisol out of your system, and after a bit, your body starts to produce something called oxytocin along with endorphins. And these are feel-good chemicals that help to ease both physical and emotional pain. Specifically, oxytocin is the love or the cuddle hormone, and it really is like a natural sedative. Crying is just one way your body produces it, but it's also produced by cuddling, of course, or even like petting or looking at like cute animals, for example. So this is just an aside, but when there's a caption on like a, a cute video and it says, here's your daily dose of serotonin, they actually mean oxytocin. All of this to say, it is physically impossible for you to never stop crying. Your brain will naturally produce these chemical sedatives, which will help you to eventually stop. And this is why we tend to feel better after a good cry or even fall asleep after crying. So if you're ever worried to cry because you're scared you will never stop, remember that it is physically impossible to never stop crying. Your brain will help you. Even though sometimes your brain can feel like the enemy, I promise it will help you out with this. And it's okay to cry. Knowing what we're feeling helps us to regulate our emotions effectively. And when we can label our emotions, we're better equipped to manage them in healthy ways rather than being overwhelmed and acting impulsively. Understanding our emotions helps us develop self-awareness, which is the foundation of emotional intelligence, or like our compass. And when we're aware of our emotions, we can better understand why we feel a certain way and how our feelings impact our thoughts and our actions. It allows us to communicate our needs and our thoughts and our feelings to other people. And this helps in building and keeping healthier relationships preventing misunderstandings, and working through conflict effectively when misunderstandings do come up. We can identify sources of stress, 
and then we can take proactive steps to manage them. When you can't identify your emotions, emotion regulation and stress management is that much harder, right? You can't regulate and manage things you don't understand. Emotions provide insights into our values and our needs and our desires. Identifying our emotions enables self-reflection and personal growth and a deeper understanding of ourselves. That's where the unstable sense of self can kind of be worked through. This can help us a lot with decision making. If we trust and understand our emotions that come up in response to things, feelings like joy and fear, anger, disgust, we can make decisions that align with our values and long-term goals. We can consider our emotional responses along with our logical reasoning. And this concept is called wise mind in dialectical behavior therapy. And wise mind is amazing for problem solving because it helps us address underlying issues and solve problems more effectively. So what I'm saying is knowing our emotions empowers us to take control of our reactions and make really intentional choices. And it helps us to be proactive in managing our emotional experiences. I don't know about you, but I found that when I was learning to identify my emotions, I got really good at it, but I had this other issue of secondary emotions come up where I was getting angry at myself for feeling the emotions or feeling guilty. I was judging myself. I was resisting them. I remember being told just to accept them, and I couldn't fully grasp that, and it was really hard for me to just, like, let it happen to let myself actually feel. I hadn't learned to accept my emotions and let them just exist, and that was stopping me from really processing them. At times I found myself even intellectualizing them, overanalyzing myself and trying to immediately go into problem-solving mode so I wouldn't have to feel any of the painful emotions. Mindfulness of current emotions is a practice that involves fully experiencing and observing your current emotions in a non-judgmental and accepting way. This mindfulness practice is a key component of dialectical behavior therapy, and it's designed to help people develop emotional awareness, reduce reactivity, and promote self-regulation. So here's how to practice mindfulness of current emotions. We're gonna find a quiet space. So choose a quiet and comfortable space where you won't be interrupted. Sit or lie down in a way that you find comfortable and relaxing. For me, I like to sit with my legs crossed, but if you're lying down, that's totally fine too. Whatever works for you. So we're gonna start by taking a few deep breaths to center ourselves. Notice the sensation of your breath as you inhale and exhale, the expanding of your lungs. We're going to tune into our body. This part might be a bit tough, but stay with me, okay? Bring your attention to your body. Pay attention to physical sensations in your body. Emotions often manifest as physical sensations like tension or tightness, fluttering, warmth, heaviness, right? 
notice any changes in your posture, your heart rate, your breathing. And we can kind of elaborate on this stuff later too. So don't worry about whether or not you're doing it right. There's not really a wrong way to do this. Next, we're going to try and label the emotion. Try to put a name to what you're feeling. You don't need to intellectualize and you don't need to use like therapy speak. So if you're not totally sure how you're feeling or why, use really simple emotion words like happy, sad, anxious, angry, and say it out loud. It helps to say to yourself what you're feeling like. I feel angry. I feel embarrassed. I feel really happy. You could not even be feeling anything right now, and that is okay. Like, if you're just kind of content, that is totally chill. Like, right now, I'm pretty content. I'm a little bit anxious, but that's okay. I am content, and I am a little bit anxious. Just a little bit. Observe without judgment. Allow yourself to fully experience the emotion without trying to change it or push it away. So get curious. I know it's easier said than done, but I'm, I'm going to invite you to get curious about the sensation and observe it with an attitude of non-judgment, right? So I'm acknowledging, feeling content, little bit anxious, that's okay. We're chilling with it. We're chilling with it. That's okay. We're going to notice some thoughts and urges. Pay attention to any thoughts that arise in connection with the emotion. Also, observe any urges or impulses that might accompany the emotion. Things like, I feel like crawling into a hole. I feel like screaming. I feel like throwing something. I feel like running away. I feel like deleting all of my social media accounts and never speaking to anyone again. Those are ones that I get a lot. Right now my urge, I'm feeling this urge to like squish something. I'm feeling really anxious. I'm fidgeting with a bobby pin while I'm talking and I feel like crawling back into bed and giving up a little bit a little bit that's okay that's okay we're just gonna sit with it we're gonna maintain an open mind so we're not gonna try to analyze or solve the emotion simply observe it as it is be open to the experience without attaching solutions to it right so I know why I'm anxious, I'm just kind of sitting with the anxiety a little bit and not trying to, I'm not going to rush to solve the problem because I know it'll get solved and everything will get done, but it's not done right now and that's okay, we're just in this moment in a state of not being done and that's fine, we're just chilling. We're staying present. 
Whenever your mind starts to wander or get caught up in thoughts, gently guide your focus back to the present moment and the sensation of the emotion. I'm feeling a little bit of tightness in my chest. But we're just going to breathe through it. If the emotion feels intense, use your breath to help you stay grounded. You're going to take slow and deep breaths as we continue to observe the emotion. If you have a soothe kit handy, definitely grab that and have some things around to soothe you, like a warm blanket or a squishmallow or something. I have a cup of tea right now, I'm doing some mindful tea drinking. Oh my god. We're going to practice some self-compassion too. While we breathe through it, right? Approach the emotion with self-compassion. I guess I kind of already did that. So, it, you know, like, recognize it's okay to feel what you're feeling. And offer yourself kindness and understanding. And patience, right? You know how I said, like, oh, it's okay. It'll all get done. Reassuring myself feeling anxious right now the feeling will pass and everything will be okay we'll end mindfully when you're ready to end the practice we're gonna take a few more deep breaths and bring your awareness back to your surroundings this is a really good time to smell some essential oils like lavender or orange if you have some. They help me take deeper and more regulated breaths. So mindfulness of current emotions helps you become more familiar with your emotional landscape and cultivates an attitude of acceptance toward your feelings, right? I'm proud of you, we did this together. By observing your emotions without judgment, you can become more skilled at responding to them in a healthy and intentional way, rather than reacting impulsively. My old self, before I learned how to do this, I would be anxious about things that I had to do, and then I would look for more things to be anxious about to justify my anxiety, right? And then I would go into problem-solving mode immediately. And if I couldn't solve the problem immediately, I would freak out. I would go and do something just completely self-destructive or I would just, you know, I would drop everything and just like abandon my responsibilities and then it just feeds more anxiety and it just makes everything worse, right? So this practice is about building a deeper connection with your emotions and ultimately enhancing your emotional well-being. You're not going to like nail it right away. So if you did mindfulness of current emotions with me and you're noticing things like like if you were maybe getting a little bit frustrated at yourself, you know, you have an emotion that's really painful. And with quiet BPD, it's very common to blame yourself and just like invalidate yourself. But I want you to consider maybe the situation. Reflect on the context of your current situation. What's happening around you? Are there any events or conversations or triggers that could be influencing your emotions? They're not all just like random emotions. You're not, with BPD, a lot of literature on the internet makes it seem like our mood swings and our emotions are just completely random. They're not. 
they're not. There's something around you that is influencing your emotions. What could it be? And note your thoughts, right? Consider the thoughts that are running through your mind. Your thoughts can give you clues about your emotions. For example, if you're thinking about a past mistake, you might be feeling regret or guilt. Also, use emotion vocabulary lists. Like sometimes it helps to have a list of emotion words to refer to and I'll link to one in the show notes for you. They're actually really helpful. They were for me anyway when I was learning. So just be patient. Like don't be discouraged if it takes time to become more adept at recognizing your feelings. Emotions are really complex and it's okay if you're not always able to pinpoint exactly what you're feeling. The goal is to develop a greater awareness of your emotional landscape over time. And as long as you're not giving up, you're moving toward that goal. As long as you're not giving up, that is winner shit. Keep going. Now, I mentioned creating a safe space really briefly. How do we create a safe space for ourselves to feel the emotions? Creating a safe space for yourself means setting up an environment internally and externally where you feel comfortable and supported and free to be yourself without a fear of judgment or harm. And this safe space can be a physical place, it can be a mental state, or a combination of both. When it comes to your physical safe space, this could be like an actual place where you feel at ease and secure, where you can relax and unwind and find solace. It might be your room, a favorite spot in nature, a cozy corner with soft lighting, or any other space that makes you feel safe and comfortable. I've had a lot of safe spaces in my life, When I was really going through it a few years ago, my safe space was my bathroom in my old apartment because it was really clean and quiet and no one could bother me. And I also found that I had a few spots in the forest by my apartment and it was safe to me because I had never been there with other people, only by myself. And there were tons of squirrels running around and I like to watch them and just be in nature. And in the fall, the trees were really beautiful and they towered above me. And it really gave me a sense of humility and peace. I have a couple friends who have made themselves a little like sensory corner in their rooms with like a cute tent or a sensory swing and tons of squishmallows and fidgets, coloring books, snacks, and really soft lighting. And honestly, that's a vibe. Like, self-care things that bring you joy and calm and comfort are an essential aspect of creating a safe space. So, like, taking baths, making art, listening to music, hanging out with your pet even. You can also create a safe space mentally. And you can cultivate a sense of emotional safety and self-compassion within yourself. And this means... Treating yourself kindly, acknowledging your feelings without judgment, and giving yourself permission to experience your emotions without fear. 
in your safe space, you can practice non-judgmental awareness of your thoughts and feelings. And this means accepting your experiences as they are without labeling them as good or bad. When I stopped labeling my emotions as good or bad, it helped me a lot with eliminating self-judgment. Good and bad generally have this connotation around morality. And the fact is, all emotions are actually good. They are signals that your body is giving you to urge you to get a need of some sort met. They're helpful tools for survival. And the more I embraced this about my emotions, the easier it became to become more comfortable with the uncomfortable and practice self-compassion. So give yourself permission to feel. Experiencing uncomfortable emotions is a normal part of being human. Grant yourself permission to feel without judgment. Treat yourself with kindness and self-compassion. And remind yourself that you're allowed to feel these emotions and that you deserve understanding and care. Creating a safe space for yourself is a really personal process and it's going to look different for everyone. Like your space, your safe space is not going to look even remotely the same as someone else's. And isn't that amazing? It's your space. And as long as you have a space that supports your well-being and allows you to authentically express yourself and process your emotions, that's what matters. We're going to try a body scan together. And sometimes a body scan is really hard, especially if you have trauma, because trauma gets stored in the body. I struggle a lot with somatic flashbacks, so it can be hard for me to do this too. But I learned not to force it. So if at some point during the body scan, you notice yourself becoming overwhelmed, it's okay. You can stop and like skip ahead. I'm not judging. I totally get it. And you know what? Also, don't be ashamed of yourself if you notice yourself becoming overwhelmed and you need to stop. That in itself like recognizing that you're becoming overwhelmed and then stopping, that's also amazing. Like that's you getting used to being attuned to your body and then recognizing like, okay, whoa, I need to stop. This is too much. That's, I'm going to put up this boundary with myself, right? And I'll, I'll like revisit this later, but right now it's too much. Even recognizing that, phenomenal, incredible. Like Even be proud of yourself for that. You're not even making a mistake by stopping. And this is what I mean by I'm not judging. You got this, okay? A body scan is a mindfulness meditation technique that involves bringing your focused attention to different parts of your body, very gradually exploring and noticing any sensations that arise. The purpose of a body scan is to increase awareness of your body and its sensations helping you become more present in the moment. So we're gonna start off in our comfortable position. I'm sitting with my legs crossed and however you're sitting, as long as you're comfy and a happy clam, that's all I care about. You can totally close your eyes if that's comfortable for you too. You can even just lower your gaze. Take a few deep breaths so we can center ourselves. 
Wow, that felt good. Let's do another one. Amazing. Allow your breathing now to be natural and rhythmic. We're gonna focus our attention on your feet. Notice any sensations you feel there. Tingling, warmth, coolness, pressure, or maybe the lack of any feeling. If there are no strong sensations, that's okay too. Just observe what's present. Slowly move your attention upward to your ankles, calves, knees, thighs, and with each part of your body, take a moment to notice sensations without judging them. Continue moving your attention to your pelvic area, your stomach, your chest, and your back. Keep paying attention to any sensations you notice in each of those areas. Next, bring your focus to your arms. Starting with your fingertips, your elbows, your biceps, all the way up to your shoulders, and observe the sensations in each arm. Finally, direct your attention to your neck and your head. Notice any sensations in your neck, your face, top of your head, be aware of your jaw, your cheeks, your nose, your forehead, any tension that you might be holding. We hold a lot of tension in our jaw. If you notice some tension in your jaw, it might be good to let your tongue naturally sit on the roof of your mouth. Once you've completed the scan, take a few moments to focus on your breath again. Feel the rise and the fall of your chest as you breathe in and out. You just did a body scan. Well done. The body scan can help you become more in touch with physical sensations, which can in turn help you connect with your emotions, right? Your emotions are not just contained by your mind. They present themselves in your body as well through tension or heat or numbness or cold. When I learn new things or do some self-reflection, I often like to explore worlds in my head and pretend that I'm on an adventure. Even in real life, I call a lot of things adventures. Like, honestly, even McDonald's runs, I just call it an adventure, because why not? 
some crazy shit can happen at McDonald's, let's be real. Um, so it is kind of like an adventure. And that's why this is called the BPD Wayfarer. I'm imagining you on your own journey, faring your way through your emotions. You find yourself at the edge of a serene and vibrant meadow, a place of stillness and connection. You feel a gentle breeze carrying the scent of wildflowers, rejuvenating your senses. The sky above you is a canvas of calming blues, adorned with the gentle brush strokes of fluffy white clouds. In front of you, a path unfolds, leading you up to ancient ruins with a massive and magnificent stone compass with four standing stones as tall as you, each featuring their own shimmering gemstone at its apex. Each cardinal direction is represented by a different gem, radiating with its unique hue. The north points to a brilliant sapphire, representing clarity and wisdom. The east gleams with a soothing emerald, symbolizing growth and renewal. The south sparkles with a warm ruby, embodying passion and vitality, and the west shimmers with a tranquil amethyst, evoking introspection and balance. You step closer to the compass, feeling a sense of anticipation and readiness. And as you place your hand on the compass, you're enveloped in a comforting warmth, a reassurance that you are exactly where you need to be. The compass glows softly in response, aligning itself with your intention to explore the landscape of your emotions. With a single thought, the compass begins to spin gently, its gemstones casting shimmering reflections around you. You sense a surge of newfound awareness blossoming within you. Each direction on the compass corresponds to an emotion, a feeling waiting to be understood. As you embark on your journey, you set your sights on the north. The sapphire's brilliance invites you to embrace clarity, to recognize your emotions without judgment. You marvel at how effortlessly you can identify the emotions that arise within you like stars becoming visible in the night sky. Turning east, the emerald's calm energy embraces you. Here you find the space to grow, to welcome your emotions as catalysts for change. You understand that each emotion carries a lesson, a chance for personal evolution. Moving to the south, the ruby's warmth fills you with a sense of purpose. You channel your emotions into passionate determination, empowering you to address challenges and create positive change. The compass guides you to harness your emotional energy for good. As you reach the west, the amethyst's serenity washes over you, inviting reflection. Here you find equilibrium, 
a place where you can peacefully observe your emotions and choose how to respond. You learn to navigate the ebb and flow of your feelings, just as the ocean finds its rhythm with the tides. With each turn of the compass, you feel more connected to your emotions, more aligned with your inner landscape. You realize that your emotions are not obstacles, but guides, leading you to self-discovery and empowerment. As you step away from the compass and look around, you see the meadow transformed. The colors are more vivid, the wildflowers more abundant. The air feels charged with a new energy, as if the very atmosphere has shifted in response to you. And then, just as you begin to settle into this transformed space, a subtle movement catches your eye. Your heart skips a beat as your gaze locks onto something intriguing at the edge of the meadow. A shape, a, a presence, something that seems both familiar and yet shrouded in mystery. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> Listen to part two. As we reach the end of part one, take a moment to reflect on the journey you've embarked upon. Just as a skilled wayfarer adjusts their compass to find their way, you've learned to calibrate your emotional compass. The landscape of your emotions is truly a vibrant terrain to explore. And as you continue on your path, know that your emotional compass is a tool that helps to guide you through your experiences. In the next episode, I'm going to tell you more about navigating your emotions. We've calibrated the compass, and now it's time to figure out the terrain. You know what I mean? So I'll chat with you about my experiences learning to figure out stuff like, are my emotions justified? How do I validate myself? How do I express and process my emotions without hurting myself after figuring out what I'm feeling? Stuff like that. It was a long journey for me, and I think it would be really good to share. So I'm really excited. See you next time. Quiet, not silent. We create a perfect world in our heads. 